Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. This week, I catch up with Melbourne-based artist and designer, Steve Leadbeater. How you going, Steve? Hey, good, thanks. Yeah? Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. So, is, um, is Leadbeater your artist name, or is that, is that your surname? Or? Uh, it is my surname. Um, yeah. I've sort of adopted it as my artist name. I think for too long, I've tried to avoid using it at all, and yeah. we're kind of hiding it. Uh, I used to get teased a lot at school for it, and... Um, I eventually, I just realised that it was the one thing that was actually unique that I could use. But instead of trying to make up some unique name, I already had it, so yeah. embrace it and um, just you know got rid of the Steve. Yeah. What did they used to say at school? Oh, <laughs> like lead. I don't know. There was like lead beater. Uh, of course, like leady and I don't know. I get leady beats and yeah. every kind, every kind of beater you can imagine. Yeah. You can probably use your imagination on that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we've all we've all been called names. You know? Yeah, or people, or people that can't pronounce it, like lead beater, or I don't know. I mean, it's funny because like you have that name, and then mm. you say, "Oh, well, it's Victoria's um, fauna emblem, the the possum," and yeah. you know, people should you know know this cute little endangered possum. Yeah. Um, and sort of have a no, at least an, a knowledge of the name, but um, yeah, it's still pretty foreign and pretty weird. And people go, "Is that your real name?" And they think it's a joke. Mm. In fact, like um. When I do quotes, sometimes I like to um, do some writing and then to, if I want to make it a, an official quote, if I put my name at the bottom, it looks like a fake name. So I've actually made a fake name that sounds more realistic than my name. Oh, yeah. So I use Tobias Sloan and that's the name I use if I want to create a quote. Otherwise, people are just like, who's this celebrity guy? It sounds like it sounds fake. I don't believe it. I actually saw that on your Instagram. You had a, a quote by Tobias Sloan and you said, oh, very... Um, uh, one of the most interesting people, I've, uh, you know, I know or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some influential philosopher or something. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I think it comes from um, a time when I was in the design industry, uh, or more deeply into it. We we might have to like maybe do a quote or something, like an inspirational one, and we don't haven't found one yet. So I'll just make up something just to, as a placeholder, mm. and I had to put some name there. And my name again looks too fake, so Tobias Sloan it always used to be, and I used to write the quotes to whatever the sentiment that we're trying to achieve and often they'll just stay and they'll be like, oh, I just leave Tobias, there's one in there. And like, oh, we have to kind of think about this. Yeah. We might have to either have a no name or yeah, consider who we're actually using. Yeah. So I used to work in the um, film and music, like an entertainment industry, I guess, in graphic design. Yeah. And um, I uh, used to work for a guy who, whose um, brother was a is a comedian. And like in, their early, in the early like shows and all that, we'd do the posters and all that for it. And we'd just have like, you know, five stars, Steve Leadbeater, or whatever, whatever just, you know, just like five stars and just make up a, a name or, or you know, or have, or just have say, oh, would you give it five stars? Yeah, I'll give it five stars. All right, let's five stars from yeah. uh, Tom. You know? Yeah, it's an anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Or make up your own award. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. But um, it's pretty strange how we met because like... I met you as an artist, and it turned out that we're also working together in in the same design company at yeah. the same time. But I'd only been there for like three days, so I hadn't met you yet. Yeah. But, uh, to be fair, like with like two hundred people, it's hard to know who's new and who's not. Yeah. Um, who's a client and who's whatever. Mm. Kind of good and bad. You mm. can sort of someone can say how long you've been here, and you can just say five years, and people would believe you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, have, I have people asking me how to use a coffee machine and all that. And it's like, yeah. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was an interesting introduction because it was uh, yeah part of uh, the exhibition where we were working working together under the constraints of eight hours, which yeah. you seemed to smash out pretty quick. I struggled. Yeah. I used my whole eight, a lot of eight hours to do something that looked like it took me five seconds. Yeah, 
story of my life. But you like deconstructed the the box and put it together and all that and yeah, yeah. played with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of my, a lot of my work is kind of like that, where you put all this effort in and really try, um, but in the end, it does look really sloppy and it looks like sort of a freelance five year old kind of you know was working for me. But um, I don't know why it's like that, but I think I'm attracted to things that kind of look like they're 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 organic or they feel like they're real. Yeah. That they're not. It's funny because all the work goes into it to make it look like it's um, easy. Yeah. 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 It's 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 a tough one. It's like um, I find that if I put too much into something, I end up overkilling it, like or overcooking it, like creatively. Yeah. Whereas if I um, if I sort of paint something loosely, it comes out much better. Whereas if I go, all right, this one's going to be awesome, you know, and I put all the time and effort in the world into it. I never get the result that I'm looking for. It's like, oh, that other thing, like, came out much better, you know. Or maybe you've got, like, a really nice canvas and it's all pristine and perfect and waiting for you to use. It's Mm. kind of a bit intimidating. But if you've got a scrap of paper, you do something awesome and you go, now what can I do with this? Yeah, exactly. Also, I mean, maybe the when I talk about putting effort in, like, Mm. you can always um, do multiple versions. And, like, Mm. I find, yeah, sometimes the first one has got something, Mm. but there's something I don't like about it. And by doing a few of them, I can get to where I kind of want it to be. Yeah. And sometimes I finish the work with, um, I mean, nothing I do is just an original and then ready to go, or hardly anything is. Usually there's some kind of manipulation or something happens because it goes from paper to pixels, and I might just clean something up or, you know, get rid of some bad edges or make it look like it was in a nice sea of clean space when really it was a scribble next to another scribble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you just clean up the edge, uh, clean around it and that. Yeah, so really it's like, you know, it's like a digital artist, but I'm using organic, I'm using real things to, um, as the base. Yeah. Yeah, real work. So with with your art, like I'm quite new to your art, but I've like, I've been watching your um, 365 Days of Leadbeater. Mm. Like, what what's that all about and how did that come about? Well, a friend of mine, um, Jess New, who was... Uh, a designer I worked with, she was doing a hundred days challenge. And mm-hmm. She was doing, uh, she was finding something on Instagram and drawing the the photos, or drawing a photo she finds, um, and sketching. And uh, I really got inspired by her doing a hundred days. And I thought that'd be awesome because you know I always want to do work and I always get being a designer you get so distracted because you have to be with different clients and in your own stuff and it's all just kind of a big mess. And to have that discipline of doing something would be like really really good for me. So. I thought, oh, I'm not going to do 100 days of something, but I don't know what it's going to be. And I didn't want to lock myself into 100 days of just drawing or just something. So I just said 100 days of stuff. Mm. And um, like at day seven, I was ready to give up. <laughs> um, somehow I kept going and it, it, I wasn't really locked into type. So I kind of like, okay, I could, do, I could do photography or typography or I could do sketches or whatever I want. And um, I kind of freed it up. And sort of as I got like... Um, closer to 100 days I realized maybe I should just keep this going I'm never going to do if I was going to do 100 like a whole year I'm not going to do it next year mm. I've already done 100 of them so maybe I should just keep going and so that's how the, the 365 days came about and um, yeah I really noticed that like by honing in um, what I did and not doing a little bit of everything uh, people really responded a lot better to my work mm. because um, they could look at it and see something that was common to them because I look at some of my work and go, I can't tell the same person did 
mm. two different pieces of work but it's getting closer now where I'm reining in slowly to get to something that makes sense but i still got a long way to go but this 365 days has really helped because if mm. before the 365 days it was kind of just whatever um, and it started to ho- rain in so I'm hoping when I look back at it all I'll be able to take some key takeouts and go what if, what is my style or what am I doing and maybe or maybe there won't be maybe that's the whole point yeah because I noticed um, like when I scroll through Instagram like when your image pops up I, I notice it straight away. I know it's you and all that. And even though, like, you do so many different things, like you you do a lot of hand-drawn type and then you do photography, then you do, like, drawings, like, all, all different stuff. But it might be, like, the limited colour palette you use or, or something yeah. like that. But, like, it's always, like, it's always you. You can see it straight away. But, yeah, I guess it's, like, you've developed different styles and mediums, but they're all your style. But because you've done been doing them, so much that um, people get to know that they're all those different styles. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe I could have like um, have one have a, a show that's just on one aspect of what I do. Like, so here's a here's a show of drawings, mm. or at least a collection, and then go, oh, here's a collection of typography, here's a collection of something else, and they all kind of would fit together. But as a as a set, it kind of be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you put them next to each other, and they, I even try with the like the Instagram to try and. Um, do mini little series like three of one thing at a time so that at least there's some kind of if you looked at my feed and not just um as they pop up randomly it would kind of look like uh there's a sort of a whole lot of drawings together and it sort of evolves into some typography rather than just being type yeah image you know drawing scrappy bit of weird shit you know yeah yeah have you have you like um, tried to get a like stick to a limited color palette or there's colors you like and oh I like them because they're I like because easy and I think a lot of the things that I'm when I do work it comes from a place of um, extremes or like opposites mm-hmm. and contradictions and so black and white makes perfect sense for that but I do have other colors I throw in like you use a lot of red as well like red I mean red's like someone the other day was saying red is like the black and white of colors yeah. and I kind of agree so. Okay, I've branched out a little bit from there to kind of a palette that's a bit like the base colours of um, office stationery. If you've got the shittest set of copy paper Mm. and you've got the white and you've got the blue and the pink and the green, that's kind of like, you know, what you'd use at high school or, you know, to run off, you know, the newsletter or something. So those are the kind of colours. It's kind of trying to be a base of, um, a base of nothing. Yeah. I think trying to have a, um, a voice that comes from um, something that's familiar like mm. those colors should feel like they're so base and so unconsidered that it's a good base to work from yeah like the stuff I do is kind of um, about yeah like being living in suburbia there's that's where the contradictions come in the black and white over the yeah. top of that so I kind of love you know I grew up in suburbia so I'm used to that's got nostalgic value but I hate it at the same time um, and that's always a good place. Like I've got endless amount of like um, energy from just thinking about where I come from and all the things I say and do. Like they can all contradict each other. I don't think I used to try and avoid that. And as soon as I embraced that and thought, look, you know, people have different moods. Mm. Um, Siberia is an amazing place. It's also the ugliest place you could possibly be. Um, embrace both. Yeah. Yeah. It's really freed me up to just not think too much about what I'm doing and just keep on doing it. 
in the three sixty-five days maybe lets me spew out a lot of shit, and then at the end I'll probably be able to refine it down again and go, okay, hmm. what do I really want to do, or what's the, you know, what can I do from here? Yeah. So I've noticed you through your artwork, you've uh, you're quite proud to be from the eastern suburbs of uh, of Melbourne. You have you grown up there the whole time? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and I think. Again, that's like the lead beater thing. All the things I tried to hide about myself, I'm mm. sort of at least all my dirty secrets are out there now. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of pretending I'm city born and bred, I'm, I'm based in Melbourne because I'm really this international designer and I'm um, all over the world and, um, you know, and hiding my, my surname, building some kind of big entity. I'm just like, nah, I'm just a guy from the suburbs and, um, and not, and sort of embrace the kind of things that people hide about themselves. Mm. Um, you know, I, I didn't go to a prestigious university. Like I went to TAFE, and I um, I just work hard. And like a lot of the people that I work with, um, are from, I guess, yeah, they've done well and they've been in private schools and they've had a, a completely different kind of upbringing to what I'm used to. It doesn't it's not worse or better. It's just very different. And I used to try and kind of keep up with all that and not tell people. You know, I'm just high school like public school you know smoking bongs skateboard parks and just rubbish like like what I thought was normal um to being uh this international person like I think no I'll just embrace where where I've come from because that's what makes um my my voice kind of make some kind of sense because I'm allowed to be contradictory I'm allowed to be really boring and you know my political views are tainted and Mm. all, all that stuff I can at least just say it I don't have to be the most mm. researched, smartest person in the room to say something. Mm. So you're you're from Heathmont, aren't you? Yeah, you out, that's out right. Man. That's right yeah. now. Yeah. Because I went to a um, I went to a, a Bucks party a few oh, a few months back now. Yeah. But um, there was a whole bunch of guys from like Heathmont, um, Bayswater area. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we got a big three story house in um Torquay, and all spent the weekend down there. And there these all these guys are in their forties, got wife, kids, all that sort of stuff. And they're all just smoking bongs flat out, <laughs> and, I was, and I was just like, "Oh, you know, you let, letting your hair down for the uh, Bucks party for the weekend." It's like, "Oh, I bet it's been a few years since you've had one of them." And they're like, "Nah, mate, nah, we haven't stopped. <laughs> it's like, We're still on it." <laughs> and it just reminded me because I like because I, I spent a lot of time um, growing up. I sort of half grew up out in like Belgrave, like Upway area. Yeah, and it just reminded me of a lot of the guys from from out there like yeah. when we were 16, 17 and it's like shit yeah. you've just sort of you've you've just grown up and you haven't uh, changed you, the... haven't, you haven't stopped <laughs> yeah still go to Macca's yeah. yeah it was like that it was like you know look at look at that you know look at that they've got a, an old beaten up Commodore with Macca's wrappers all over the floor and stuff like that yeah well that's, so, that's exactly yeah. like that's our upbringing <laughs> like I'm not like that anymore I mean I guess maybe I've grown out of some of those things mm. but I don't at least I don't hide that. I mean, I think um, that's when you have problems. Yeah. There's a, um, there's, there's a designer, uh, I can't remember his name now, um, George, George Laos, George Lewis, this um, New York designer. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a, a Greek background and he used to kind of try and hide that. And when he just embraced it all, he was like, no, I'm a, um, I'm a Greek upbringing and this, this is what I do. And um, embrace that. And like, any of the ones going to tease him as well, it kind of empowered him mm. instead of trying to hide it. And I think maybe I took some inspiration from that. Yeah. Just don't hide it. Um, 
yeah, embrace it, and then you're not so scared of who you are. Yeah. Or, or saying the wrong thing and being discovered. He didn't go to private school. He didn't go to university. Yeah. Yeah. He's not well-travelled. He's just a burger from the suburbs. Yeah. It's like, it's also the, um, the thought... The, th- the thoughts you put through into your own head as well when you're thinking those things. Like, I always thought I was stupid because I never finished high school and all that. And, and I always, like, hid that and thought, oh, I don't want to be in a position where I'm reading or writing in front of people or, or any of that type of stuff. And, and, then, um, and then I decided to become a graphic designer. I had to go and study it. And I got really good grades. I got, like, a, a, I did the TAFE and then they... Um, and then they chose like a few people from the TAFE who could go on and do the final year of a degree. And they cho- I was one of the people and it, they got chosen. And, awesome. and I was like, fuck, I can do this. You know? yeah. Like, I'm not stupid. And it was, a, and, I was, and I was like 26 when I was doing that, you know. Yeah. And I thought, oh, geez, like I'm the old guy in the class and all that. And, I'm, and it's taken me this long to realise I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because well, it was a, it's a story that I was telling myself because because yeah. some teacher told me I was stupid when I was like you know fourteen years old and I just took that on board and thought oh you know <laughs> yeah it's pretty well, messed up it's but, funny like you, know. you don't learn the things they're trying to teach you but you learn something else about yourself yeah believe something else yeah um that's that's really a good story like you yeah. um you could go on believing that you could just be having makers and bongs in Belgrave mm. and uh, never have evolved. Mm. Yeah, it was good. And like then, and then I remember when I got into when I got into TAFE, it was like my first day, and I was talking to the um, the teacher, and he's like, and he goes, "Oh, I remember you. Oh, did we let you in like that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you," you know. But I, but he was the same guy that interviewed me over the phone. And when I did the interview, I was in London and I was living in a refugee home at the time. Yeah. And I was like, earning like I was broke. And just thinking, I need to change my life, and that's why I was doing it. And I did the phone call. I did the. I couldn't attend the interview, so I did the um, interview over the phone. And this was when um, you had to use the card in the phone and everything. And it was snowing outside. It was four in the morning, and I'm standing in the snow at four in the morning on like a Tuesday. I had to work at six o'clock in the morning the next day. And I'm um, trying to be all sprightly and all that. And then when he said that, it's like, man, you don't know what I went through to do this. Like, and I flew all the way back to um, back to Australia from London just to yeah. attend school. And uh, yeah, and I th- and then and I don't know. And then I I remember work going back to London and working for some big companies over there and thinking about that guy and thinking, you know what? You'd never step foot in a company like this before, you know. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. But just I don't know it was all Perception. it was all this. Yeah. It was it was just like oh, you were another teacher that put me down, you know. It's like yeah. But anyway, well, right. and there you I feel like I'm in I'm in bloody therapy here. <laughs> I'll get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a beard and glasses, man. You know? Yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> a lot of people just tell me what just open up, tell me yeah. the story. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying it's like you know a lot of um. You know, people say something to you, and you can take it on board, and and then and then that's that's stuck in your head, and you and if you believe your own thoughts, you, you know, you you'll hold yourself back. You know, that's all, I, that's all I'm that's all I'm trying to say. But yeah. if you yeah, you believe your own thoughts, so that you can go anywhere in the world and do whatever as well. You know. Yeah, I might be like the triumph of the um, public education system. Yeah, yeah. So like my um. Like my wife set me these like ridiculous saving targets so we could go travelling overseas, and oh, there was no way I was going to make it on the wage that I've got. Yeah. And she's like, just, just 
try your best. And I go, well, I earn this much every week. And even if I don't spend any money, like, I'm not going to make it. And then she's like, just try, just try. And I go, all right, no worries. Then suddenly all these little, like, projects and that started popping up and I started making money on the side for all these different things. And I reached that date and I had more money than I needed. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's go. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like twi- that mindset of um, possibility. Yeah. And then, yeah, things kind of just fall into place. Yeah. Or can. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to think it, man. You got to think it. So enough of my um, therapy session, you know. Um, so I was first introduced to you by like the old school graph writer, um, Paris. Yeah. Like, did you ever t- uh, partake in like graffiti or street art in your younger years? Well, t- not that it's related to Paris, but technically I kind of did when I was in early high school. Just yeah. Just mucking around with spray paint because that's what, you know, everyone else was doing. Mm. But we weren't into the kind of, it's funny, we weren't into the kind of hip hop scene um, it was kind of all around us. We were more into punk rock, but we still wanted to express ourselves on concrete or scratch it into a desk at school, whatever we could. But so yeah, technically I I did dabble, mm-hmm. but um, I was pretty rubbish, and um, it was more for fun. It was just like and it, it, all these things went together: you skateboard, you go on these kind of suburban adventures, you don't come back for a couple of days, and you do whatever <laughs> you, you want to do. Mm-hmm. But um, and you walk everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the but Paris I met through um, at TAFE, like mm. he sort of, we all came from these different backgrounds into this one sort of weird melting pot of people that wanted to do graphic art. And um, yeah, he was one of the people and he's got a great grasp of typography, of course. And um, I didn't know he was that Paris that I'd grown up seeing on the train line, like coming to and from the city, you'd see Paris and maybe Hugh Dunnett like back in those days. And they were really identifiable because you could read them. Yeah. But also because they were big and colorful and um, Something like, yeah, I never, I thought that whoever Paris was, he must be really, really old. Yeah. <laughs> by now. But he's like very, he's only a tiny bit older than me. Mm. So he, he must have been pretty young doing all that graph stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, it is weird how, um, like back in those early days, how young and good everyone was. Yeah. It's like, I remember I used to go to school with, um, uh, with Diddle, Death, or Binge, like at the, you know, he's written a lot of things over the years. But I think back to all the best pieces that he did to my memory. Like, he's still amazing, like, yeah. even today. But all that stuff he was doing, like, back when we were in high school, is, like, groundbreaking. And it was like, man, he was only 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, like, with, with um, getting information, like, it wasn't like there was internet there and you like, picking up styles from everywhere. It was no. kind of... You'd probably hear something, see something on a TV, yeah. watching some weird um, video clip on... Um, countdown or something mm. and seeing the Rocksteady crew mm. <laughs> take you on board something yeah there was just um, it was crazy for and there were a lot of kids like that as well like I saw I saw a quote on um, on Instagram the other day it was quite quite funny it was on a on a graffiti like account and they um, and they said every every everything you've you know everything you try to do as a you know has been done by a 16 year old drug addicted kid in the 70s for, you know in 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 new york you know yeah, <laughs> it's like that. yeah it's quite funny it's like yeah well it's like and all these like you know middle class sort of you know pushing 30s and they're they're all trying to sort of crank out these fresh styles and that and it's like yeah these these like young kids in the 70s did it when they were homeless and on drugs or whatever you know well no, i'm not saying that they were all like that but it's like 
some of them were, you know. Well, like every time you pick up a guitar, it's been done before you even strum it. Yeah. But then maybe that quote should have a brackets at the end that says, but it's still worth trying. Exactly. Or it's still worth doing. Or it's still fun. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're right. Like if you yeah. pick up a brush or a guitar or a mm. skateboard, it's all, everything that you're thinking of has probably been done, but it's still fun, right? Yeah. And then you've got your own little version of that. It's like, mm. it's like talking, you know, you've got your own voice, even though you're just using language. Mm. Mm. Exactly. I did a piece on the weekend. I loved it. I haven't done one for ages. What was that? Or just, you know, what did to say? Yeah, just around the corner. Just out the back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was really good. It do you was, have like masks? Do you have like professional masks and stuff like that? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I use a mask these days. Yeah. It messes me up if I don't. It's like, um, for years I didn't, I never used one. Yeah. But now if I don't use one, I really know about it. It's like, yeah, it's like I've been smoking and drinking all day or something and it's, I haven't. And yeah, it's not good. Maybe that's where the wild styles come from. Yeah. <laughs> they're, trying to, they're, trying to, they're trying to write it properly. Yeah. They, they mark up, they fill in, they get so fumed out filling in that they just end up scribbling all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, getting, back to, getting back to you. So you've, uh, you've got a pretty demanding job and you, you're doing your 365 days of lead beer. Do you find it hard to... Um, like get one a day done or like do you get to sort of bedtime and go shit I haven't done one yet and have to sort of d- do one while you're brushing your teeth or yeah, something okay. like that um well you're right like yeah my job is demanding and I think um that's another reason for doing it because it'd be very easy to just give up and say look it's too hard this week or it's too mm. hard right now and then it gets put off and that's been happening for 40 years so I'm yeah. like no I've just got to do it so I do work a little bit ahead so so I can kind of um, put them in an order that kind of makes some degree of sense or continuity. So I'm always a few days ahead. So when I have a tough day or a couple of days, um, I can kind of usually weather that. Yeah. Um, but then on the weekend, I might do four or five things. And it's funny, like, I thought it was going to be a struggle doing one a day, but I only put up, I put up less than I'd make. So I make more than I put up. Yeah. Um, just because I, don't, I don't, might not like it or... Um, yeah, it's funny, like the stuff I put up I do think about and um, even though it is just kind of random thoughts and collections of stuff, um, there's still kind of some overarching kind of thought I'm trying to put into it. But yeah, yeah to your question, uh, I keep a little bit ahead so I don't have to stress out every single day. Yeah. And I have like a set of, set of tags that I can kind of, you know, I sort of sit on the train, like I get to and from the work on the train, that's like an hour each way of at least um, time I can think about what I'm going to write or actually think of ideas, um, which is another thing. They come from wherever. Yeah. Um, and then um, sort of get those ready so that when I've got the images ready, I can just upload and make it as stressless as I can make it. Yeah. Because I've, I've got a few things like that in my life. Like, because I, I, all those books, like those little red books over there. Yeah. Like, I do a drawing a day in them. I have done for over three years now. And I'm still stuck to it. Like, I haven't missed a day yet. Wow. But sometimes it's quite... Like, it's not. I don't finish a drawing every day, but I put pen to paper every day, even if it's just filling in something I marked up the day before or, or something like that. But uh, it's even that, and also putting out this podcast once a week. It's like... Like, I've, I've set myself this... I've, I've said to myself I'm going to do it, so... I, I'll do it, but it, oh man, some days it's tough. Some weeks it's tough, you know. You can imagine you've got to it's find a, someone and like get time together to be able to actually yeah. do it. 
Yeah. That's why the, the the worst is when someone cancels on me. And that's when it's like, oh. Like I had, I had a, um, I went to interview someone in New Zealand on, on Monday and we had a really bad internet connection and it, and it canc- had to cancel. And it's like, that was all right because it was on Monday. It's like, oh man, I've got the rest of the week to sort something out. That's fine. You know, but it's when it's like, you know, I want to upload. I haven't got any in the, in the back pocket. want to yeah. upload one on um, on a on a Sunday night, and then I've got nothing to go with. It can be tough. But I'll just talk into the mic myself then. Yeah. I've done it a few times before. Yeah, like the one you did on um, travel. Yeah. Like or getting inspiration. Yeah. Getting out. Yeah. yeah. I like doing that, but I'm really shit at doing it. Yeah. You know, I got to um I got to learn to sort of just um speaking to the microphone without yeah man it's fucking hard like uh, since i've been doing this like i tip my hat to actors and stuff like that you know when you're watching a movie and you go oh, this guy can't act for shit you know? yeah it's like man that's it's hard like i've never i've never tried to do that but even just speaking like i'm just talking to you when i'm talking when i'm talking to someone across from me it's fine because you can just talk but um when you're speaking into the microphone there's no one else in the room it's really difficult Maybe you get maybe you get Claire to do the yes uh huh mm. yeah and you can just talk at her about your idea yeah oh no she'll say no, no redo that redo that that can come out right it's like <laughs> end up in an argument <laughs> it's really good though that you're doing that every day yes that's the whole the whole habit thing you know if you keep it up then it won't feel like it's a chore like oh my yeah. god I can't believe you do that every day mm. you know, it shouldn't feel like it's I mean it's a, a part of my life that's yeah. a real joy and like I mm. find if I didn't have it. I'd probably get sucked into the um, design world to the point where I'm sort of a victim of it. Yeah. Whereas now I've got this antidote, so I can go harder on one because I've got the other. Mm. And I think um, they definitely work together. Because I find that through those daily drawings, my style is changing a lot as well, and my interest is changing. So something that I'm like a, a, a style, like if I'm dr- caught up on drawing, like for instance, doors or like ornate doors or something like that like yeah. I'll draw a handful of them and I'll go oh yeah cool and then I'll move on but then I'll come to the studio and start painting those ones that I've, I've drawn but then I'm already onto something else and it's like oh cool like it's it's moving and evolving really quickly like yeah moving yeah. on to the next thing in your head even though yeah exactly like I tried to do a book full of um like uh, disused couches on the that have been thrown out on the um on the street. Yeah. I was taking photos of them. They just seem to be everywhere. It's like couches and mattresses. Once like, you look for something, you see it. I've got one yeah. out in front of my place. Right yeah. Now. And so, like, even this, this painting behind me, that's like sort of meant to be that. But I started that a while ago. Now I'm already onto onto all this other stuff that you see. You know, started working on an exhibition, and it's like that's not part of it. I'll, I'll put that aside. But maybe you'll have all these like unfinished things, like a whole. You're starting all these yeah. multiple projects. Yeah. Like I've 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 got one book that's all met, all scenes from the London Underground. Yeah. And um, the only like, and I never finished it. It's like I only got about about six pages left. But I have to hold on to it, so when I go back to see family over in London, I'll um I'll take it with me and, and, and eventually get it done. Feel it in. Yeah. <laughs> it must feel yeah, feel nice to complete something when you've got like a body of work like that. Yeah. I find like I can't I can, but to do um a really long series of something of the mm. one thing I find difficult, which has probably been my a problem the whole life. Like yeah. as a designer you're always doing different things and maybe it's a good thing when you're working that way commercially, but on yourself, that's I think why I've had so much trouble because I want to try everything and you know working exposes you to a lot of things you normally wouldn't have done, but you're interested in. So yeah, oh, I love taking photos and I like doing a lot of other 
I love to do, you know, colourful work that's very detailed, but it's not what sort of fits in with what I want to do more of. So I kind of, I do all that stuff, but I just keep it out of my feet. And I think um, also se separating my personal one from my work really helped as well. So when people look at the feed now, it's not like, here's a drawing from Steve, here's a picture of his cat, here's what he had for breakfast, um, and then here's another drawing. It's kind of just the work. And mm. people can either like it or hate it, but at least they know what they're getting. And um, I found that really helps. Like a lot of people, mm. since I started this um, regime, have really responded well. Um, um, really surprising, actually. Mm. Like a bit overwhelmed, but it makes me work harder. So yeah. you say, so what, your Instagram following's gone right up? and Yeah, it's just helped. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't matter if it hadn't, but the fact that mm. people can get it... Mm. Um, because, you know, you'd see a lot of people that had, like, two or three photos. or not two or three. Like, you know, a handful of photos. But they all look really similar and have a real good style to them. And then people would be like, I love this. And it's really, you can identify with it. And that person might do lots of other work. But they get viewed in the context of this narrow thing. And then people can, can really respond. Whereas if it's scattered in amongst everything else, it kind of waters it down. Mm. So, yeah, I think putting it together has um, helped people at least kind of see what they're getting yeah even if I think it's diverse it's getting closer to something that makes sense yeah because uh, yeah because I've, I've been battling with that because I've tried I tried I don't like putting like photos of my life up on the internet at all like, I don't use Facebook really or anything like that and it's um I try to just put my art up there but I but then I don't want to put any of it up <laughs> I end up with just no no um no, no online presence yeah, but um, but I've got uh, you know, like luckily I got the podcast to do that, put that stuff up. You're building a network, and you've yeah. got your and you've got like um, a um, truckload of people that are yeah. interested in what you're doing. Yeah, because so. I'm always painting, you know, always doing stuff. But it's just uh, it's like yeah, just don't want to put it out there. But anyway, I'll uh, I'll get over that. But going back to what you were saying with um, with like uh, mixing up with styles and trying a lot of different things. Like I've noticed you do a lot of um. You, you like you you mix it up between like hand drawn and digital and photography, and all that. Like, like um, like do you prefer one over the other, or do you, you just enjoy mixing it all up? I don't know what I prefer. I think I need to have everything to bounce everything else off. If um, I used to go in kind of mini cycles where I'd really focus on something to the exclusion of everything else but I could only last for so long before the other things crept in. Mm. So I'd be like, I'm going to do illustration for as long as I can, or I'm going to really focus on that. And I'd do, I'd make progress, and I'd get better and better, and then I'd just be on the cusp of something good happening, and I'd be like, I'm sick of this. And I'd just, photos would creep in, then I'd just get, I'd start buying lenses for my camera and start getting really serious and taking what, the best shots I can. And then I'd make some progress there, and I'd get a few little things happening and little projects bubbling, and then... I'll get sick of that and I'll go back to sort of drawing and typography. So the kind of cycle has been through almost design, drawing um, and photography and the cycles of those things. And some of my the work that I'm probably, that seems most like me is the stuff that combines those. Not necessarily photography. I use I do use my camera to take photos of my work because my scan is too hard to get to. Yeah. So I use, I use photos. Yeah. Um, high res. But... Yeah, I I um I do a bit of it. I don't prefer anything to anything else, but I'm trying to now I'm trying to combine a few things together. Mm. And do you work fast? Like do you do you um 
can you pump them out pretty quick or do you spend a lot of time on each each one uh so I, I know you, you said you spent a lot of time on on your art before but like you know with with these it's a bit different yeah i think um i'm pretty i think i'm pretty quick a lot of the th the thinking is what takes time but i i have a lot of i keep a like a um notes mm. so i write down my ideas kind of thing and if if something sometimes i find something i want to do want to achieve or I want to try and I've got this backlog of ideas that I can kind of marry up with it so I'm like okay I want to do this I, I need something to say what have I said before in my notes and what I want to use as the the driving force of this thing um, and I kind of just combine them so I've got like I don't know pages and pages of ideas that I just just go to and just add to every every couple of days so um, I never have to think on the spot but I work quickly yeah I um combine those things really quickly and get to something that I'm either happy with or I discard but at least um, yeah working fast it really helps to feel like I can keep up with this 365 days yeah yeah and you're like you're up you've just cracked day 200 like what like you, you're getting getting near the end you're well over the halfway mark yeah I don't know what's like, gonna happen yeah what, what, what's gonna what's gonna go what's gonna happen well you know? I could um, in May next year is when I'll finish yeah. Um, I might. Um, you know, people have been saying I want you to do an exhibition, and I don't know what, how that would be any better than, or you know, how, what that would what that would prove. But if I did collect the work, um, I could sort of curate it and say I'm not going to do 365 pictures on the wall, mm. but I could do half of that, or I could do one for every week, the best mm. of every week, do 52, and at least have, you know. A collection that makes a coherent collection because I sort of revisit things and keep on working on them. I think if you curated it properly, you could kind of make some sense out of it. Um, but that's not what I'm aiming to do. Or maybe I'll just keep going. It could be yeah. like Lead Beater for Life or something. Yeah, <laughs> just keep going. I, I think it's. Um, I think I'd, I'd advise to keep going because that's something I learnt from my 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 little books that I draw in, and it's um now you know even when I've got like weeks where I'm in the studio every day. Like I'll I'll still draw in my book in the morning, even though I'm not going to be drawing and painting for the rest of the day. Like I'll I'll know that, you know, it's uh, I think I I I know that in those books I'm going to generate my ideas, and it's going to make drawing and painting easier when it's when it's time to. When it comes that back to yeah. that. Because do, do, do you use your the camera on your phone as well for reference on things? Like you see things and take photos and. Yeah, all the time it's filled yeah. up. Yeah, my cat, my phone barely works. It's got too many photos on it. But yeah, <laughs> I see something, I hear something, I take a photo of this. I kind of combine that, and think of that. And I, sometimes just the act of um, trying to take the photo of something is enough to have it in your head. So you may not even look at the photo, but the fact you took the photo, it's in your head, and then things kind of come together like we talked about before. Mm. You've got something on your mind. Things kind of magically pop up in in your day that mm, mm, sort of relate to what you're thinking about. Yeah. So that kind of just collects that stuff up and um, reinterpret it and make make something that makes sense or has a kind of spin on it. Um, I completely agree with that because I've I've done the same. I've taken photos of things and, and never looked at the photo but drawn it. Yeah. From the memory of standing there taking that photo. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like when people do, like in in uh, school people would often take notes when there's a lecture. I bet they wouldn't even look at their notes, but the fact they've written it down means it's gone through. It's mm. been processed. Mm -hmm. um, they can just don't need the notes yeah they have to write them they just don't need them after they've written them yeah that's uh, uh, yeah I've done the same thing actually like I've got a notebook that I um like because I listen to so many podcasts I listen listen to a lot of them that um 
like they want to get education from. Like I, I've got a couple that I listen to for entertainment and all that, but most of them is is I want to learn something from it. And I've got like books. I filled like a few few notepads now, just filled with um, notes of things I've learnt from podcasts. And um, yeah, like I very rarely read back on them. But uh, but a lot of the stuff I know, like I have, when I do read back, it's like yeah, I know all this stuff now. But for when when I wrote it down, it was groundbreaking to me. Yeah, you just need to. Um, so it's it's in your mind. You can just yeah. regurgitate them at will. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I'll uh, if I ever um, get stuck for a guest, I can just open up that book and and read out a few bits because a lot of them are from creative podcasts. You know? Yes, it'd be a quote like you don't yeah. know who it's from, but someone said something that makes yeah. sense to you, and you just write it down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I try and write down who said it, but I don't always do it, and then. Yeah, sometimes I can't read my handwriting as well. That's really bad writing. <laughs> Chicken mate. scratch. Left-hander, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Like, um, yeah, writing something that um, makes sense to you because then it's worth sharing or it's worth mm. um, taking on board. And maybe it doesn't matter where it came from. Like, I mean, people write lyrics and they take a little bit from everywhere and it's their own song in the end. Like, yeah. And even style, style with style, like they've people sort of mashing up other bits and pieces and it still mm. can somehow become unique to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think tr- also that's another thing, like trying so hard not to copy people, I reckon, is, um, well, it's very it's dangerous, like this whole copying thing. Yeah. But um, I think that you'll, even if you try to copy someone, you'll probably interpret it differently anyway. Mm. And like the, the, the masters of anything have started by, you know, learning by copying, I think. Um, that's underrated. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be unique, but I think hardly anything really is if you look but you know, hard enough. Like we were saying before, it's been done in the 70s by some crazy person. Yeah. Well, um, have, you, have you seen that book, Still Like an Artist, by Austin Kleon? Yeah, I, think I love that's that book. His name. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like David Bowie saying, I'm only interested in art that I can steal from. Yeah. I'll only ever study art that I can do that. Or, um, you know, Picasso saying art is theft, like... It's it's kind of liberating to f- to feel that because yeah. you're not aiming to copy people. That's not your goal, but feel free to do that because that's how you find what you are. Because mm. even he was saying like the um the Beatles were playing um like all the hits of the days. Yeah, the covers. And then and it was cover band. And then like all the bands in the local area were all playing the same sets. So they thought, shit, let's write our own songs. So we got some different songs to play than the other guys, and they yeah. they became the Beatles. You know. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty weird. Yeah, Rolling Stones, um, they're gonna don't tell them I said this, but you know, they're, well they're just really good, you know, doing blues rock that they didn't invent either. Yeah. Um, oh no, so, you're not the first person to say that. Put <laughs> Mick Jagger on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So with your art, do you do you exhibit much? Not so much. I've I've done or been part of a lot of exhibitions before, or whether big or small. Um, but not many where it's been planned solo shows um, I've probably done a, a couple of those but um, they haven't been I think I've always been disappointed with um, the the way I've either hung the work or the kind of work that the way that it's been put together and never it's never really come together I think um, in a way when you're putting your stuff online it can take the place in some ways for some for getting at least what you do out there it's not the same as feeling in in the in the flesh or the real thing but at least a lot of people can actually still 
view your work. Mm. You know, you, to get um, a few hundred people through a gallery space is a bit of an achievement. But if you can get it online and get the same amount of people having a look at it, it still feels like, you know, there's a reason to put it out there or there's at least there's an audience. Um, and also, like I said before, about the work not being always original, as in um, a finished piece. It's not always, I did this on this paper with this amount of room around it. It might be a little sketch that I've kind of highlighted. Mm. So I don't often have finished, complete work that's physical to put up. So you could say that I'm probably a digital artist and my, the originals that I make are, would be prints. Yeah. Really. Um, so yeah, an exhibition would just be, it would be pretty um, crazy exercise to partake in, but yeah, I'm, I'll consider it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've got no desire to work as a full-time artist or anything like that? Absolutely, I do. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's where I want to head. Or where I'm heading, I might be heading there slowly or fast, but that's what I want to do. Um, you know, the, the fact that I even took up um, design in the first place was to give me a means to be able to do my work. So I thought, okay, I want to be an artist. I've told, been told that that's one of the most hardest things you can do in the world, um, and I believe it. And I need something to fund this weird pipe dream. So, you know, I can do something disrelated or I can do something that's at least creative. So I went into the um, design field to, to fund it. So I've always wanted to be an artist since I can remember, as well as lots of other things, but artist has always been in there. Mm. And I still want that. Um, and for the first time only a few months ago, someone asked, what do I do? And the first time I answered with an artist. Um, in the past, I'd say I'm a designer and then I wouldn't even mention the art. I'll say like, oh, I do that on the side. It's my little hobby. But now I'll say I'm an artist. I'm an unsuccessful or a, um, or a, I'm not living mm. off it, but that's what I am. Um, and one day I'll make a living out of it. Yeah. yeah. I've done exactly the same thing. Like whenever I um, and like go overseas and have to fill out the passport, like in the, the you know, the landing card and all that sort of stuff, I've always written artist because that's what I want to be. And that's, you know, that's what I'm being. Because yeah. I've been making the artwork, I just haven't been making a living off it, you know. So, yeah. so yeah, I think you got to. Um, it's like going back to the start of the the, the conversation where we're saying, uh, you know, you got to get an idea in your head and it, and make it come true. You know, I think if you start sort of believing that that you are, you can make it all happen. You know, it's got to work out a way to make make cash off it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the funny yeah. thing because people say oh, it's, that they're opposed and that. You know, oh, if you make money out of your art, then it's somehow not good. But no. I think if you do, it allows you to do it more often, which means you can be better at it um, and keep going. Kind of, mm. it's a cycle because you need it to survive. Um, the amount of time I've got to do art is severely limited because of my job. If mm. it was my job, um, I can't imagine what it would be like. I'd have so much. Um, well, my work would be a lot better. Yeah, and I'd be, have so much more time to make it. Um, It'd be amazing. Yeah, because I've been thinking about like the whole concept of um, financial freedom. You know, where you don't have to, where money's not an object. Well, it, well, it is, but you know, you don't have to worry about it. You, you're in a position where you're not going to go broke, and you don't have to work. You don't have to generate X amount of money per week or day just to survive or whatever. And I'm um, thinking, gee, you know, like I, I know that I would do so much better for the planet living like that like I'd have my art to do but I know that I'd, I'd give back as well because I'd be like oh look I've got 
You don't need to do art like 50 hours a week. <laughs> you yeah. know, because I'll have so much more time to actually give back to the community or, or whatever, you know, because I've, I've already got like projects I'm trying to work on, which is to try to, to give back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's just so hard to get them off the ground because I, you know, doing a 40 hour week and then, then spending as much time in the studio as I can and then, you know, a relationship with my wife and friends and all this sort of stuff. It's just, you know. It's really it's, hard to make time. Yeah. So financial freedom, man. People who have that, like there's a lot of people out there that are living like that. I like what you and, said. I like yeah. what you said about, um, you know, it being what you'd be better for the planet. I mean, there'd be two ways. You'd be better because you could give back. You mm. could do you could do work that benefits people that need help but also be better for the planet by doing what you're supposed to be doing you know like you could be doing whatever you want to earn money but if you're doing what you sort of feel like you're born to do or you're meant to do I think that's when things fall in line a lot better if Mm. everyone although I don't know how it works but if everyone does what they're supposed to be doing and was paid for it it'd be pretty amazing yeah gee what, what sort of government would fund that, though? It'd be a, a, government, cra- a government that wants to be in government? <laughs> yeah, it'd be a crazy experiment. But, um, yeah, I bet you if a... You know, it's the sort of thing that, like, Switzerland would do or something like that, and then they'd have this, like, thriving economy and, and all these, like, great things coming out of there because people have got time to actually, like, act on their dreams. And because people, everyone... Like, what I've found, most people want to do something. You know, they've got some dream or goal or yeah. some crazy idea that they, they, they believe will work. But they've just... It's all about having the time to actually execute it and having the money to be able to not work to get the, the job done. You know, it's, uh, it's and people, crazy. And people think that it's um, not a... That art in particular, though, yeah. is a, as a hobby or something that um, that it's self-indulgent and that you're not really doing what you're... You're not really doing something important. But if you kind of look at it as being, that's what you're supposed to be doing, hmm. and anything else is like wasting your time, um, you don't want to go to the grave and think, you know, and people say, well, he really wanted to be an artist, but, you know, he, he did something else, made his living, paid his bills, and was, you know, miserable. It'd be better to say he wanted to be an artist, he um, produced a large body of work, really enjoyed it, and, you know, that's a much hmm. better story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but speaking of uh, of work and all that, like you work your ass off. Yeah, I know I know that for a fact. Like, like, what? Tell me about your work and what you do, because you work in a you work in a highly creative environment. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I think um, again that's the antidote, like having my heart mm. for it. But I do work in a um, in a demanding job um, in a big advertising agency, um, and there's <clears throat> there's big budgets and there's a lot at stake and. Um, we do do a variety of work in the department, I mean, but there is, um, yeah, there's room to, there's, there's room and, um, a need for creativity there. Um, and I think that definitely helps what I do outside of work, but doing only that is kind of what, um, isn't just satisfying. I mean, it's like, um, I know what, it's like. If you're, a, if you're a musician and you're writing songs always for other people and you can survive off that and that's, and that's good and you can really learn a lot from doing that, but eventually it's probably going to feel good if you write a few songs for yourself. So that's maybe the analogy you could make. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I love doing what I do. Um, I do I do it for too much of my life, and I think my my personal life suffers. Um, but my little way of getting it back, my little, you know, something back for me is my is my artwork. And eventually, I'd like to tip the tables where I'm doing more of that and less of the um, the commercial work. Mm. I think it still always have a place, but I just don't think I need to completely sacrifice everything in my life for my work um, for much longer. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be retiring pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, because you you do like like the TV out to commercials and billboards and like big campaigns and everything. Is there anything of um, of you that's out there that people would uh you know, be surprised to know. I think in a in an agency where um, there's two hundred people, the, you um, you can't claim much as yours. You yeah. can say I've had a part in this, um, and there's there's little parts of me and a lot of things that people might recognise. But I don't think it's kind of like um, yeah. I think the value that we have is adding value to the, the concepts mm. that um that exist in the creative department. They um yeah come up with concepts and we add value to them or or visualize them in a way that makes sense to a client or is palatable by a client and um that's great because we're working with ideas and that's what that's what I love um but yeah you can't claim them as, as kind of yours yeah it's just like yeah you do you do your part and yeah, yeah. and and always try and add value no, don't just do what you're told always challenge the brief in fact that's one of the great things I learned at TAFE. The, uh, my dirty secret uh, at TAFE was um, to be able to twist a brief um, into what you wanted to do because we get all these briefs in um, we did like a variety of work like we did um, illustration photography, sculpture, printmaking also illustration and design and like the whole sort of gamut of commercial and fine arts and all the briefs you get um, were kind of well, a lot of them were leading you in a particular direction but I always had something I really wanted to do and so I'd twist the brief enough with the teachers to, to get to the point where I could do what I wanted yeah. and be satisfied. And I think that is really helpful. Like now when I get a brief that doesn't seem that interesting, my challenge is not only the work itself, but it's to be able to put some of myself or something into that brief that, um, or the work, resulting work that um, makes sense or has a personality or has um, something that, yeah, excites me mm. rather than what you'd expect from the brief. And that's the whole point. If you wouldn't be being briefed if if everyone knew the answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's weird. I worked for a, a company in Spain, and they I, I watched the creative director. He um, I watched him do that with clients and be like, he was sold on an idea that that he he had to sell into them, and I I saw him like, not so much sell it sell it into them, but. Like, but just show show them lots of images and lots of things working in certain ways and all that, and like have them get them to the point where they go, "I want that," and it doesn't quite answer the brief, but he knows it's the right idea, and it's like, you know, the brief was written by someone who didn't who, understand the problem. Yeah, he didn't understand the problem. I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and it was it was really interesting to watch, and like, you know, a lot of it was in like like really fast Catalan so I couldn't understand it but I could see exactly what's going on and then I'll get debriefed and then be like yep yeah, alright we got it <laughs> awesome did the, did the resulting work was it good I mean or was it yeah it was it was, it was relevant still yeah 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 it was it was relevant but it was like it was risk it was a, like pushing the envelope a bit for the company who were, who were trying to stay too 
too reserved, I guess, you know. Yeah, there's always yeah. a balance in um, selling work. It is a funny thing, I yeah. think. You've done this work, um, and you, you still need to sell it. People talk about the work should sell itself when mm. they talk about, I don't know, I mean, they kind of like, music sells itself. You don't have to tell someone that songs would you just have to play it. But with, with visual work, you often need to explain where it comes from and why it is the way it is and why it's going to work. And um, it's surprising that, yeah, the best work in the world would still have to be sold in. Yeah. You don't just, like, dump it on the table and walk away. You have to talk about it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think um, the art of talking about the work is um, a big part of getting stuff through that, you know, is interesting or is going to challenge people. And sometimes to do to get a company to jump from a conservative place like you were describing, you need to show them something way beyond so that they can at least appreciate where that is, so that they can take the step you want them to take. So the baby step, the step you want them to take, and then the crazy one that you don't think anyone would ever take. Yeah. And then they feel like they're taking the middle ground when really they've made a big step already. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, they'll just, they'll just dwell in their own safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they want to, now, and now they'll say, why haven't the sales boosted or anything yeah. like that? And it's like, well, well we, you, you didn't do anything, did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you haven't, um, you haven't ever been tempted to go out and start your own company or anything like that? Well, I kind of, I do my own work um, mm. graphically. Um, but I've tried to wind that back because I realized that um, I resented a lot of the work I'd get personally. Not the kind of work, but the fact that I do graphic design for a living and then to do it in my own time was okay but not if I'm trying to do art as well and I used to start getting um, like to start to knock back work because it was getting in the way of my artwork and I don't know what I have to be paid to make it worthwhile but it'd have to be a lot more to to make me not hate doing it mm. and to miss out on time that I could have been spending with my family so Maybe my hourly rate might be like, might need to be like five thousand dollars. Yeah. To make me not hate it. <laughs> Actually, I still would hate it. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not about that. Is in the end, is it? There's nothing that someone could offer me really in return um, that would not make me hate doing work that is taking me away, it taking my time away from what I want to do. Mm. Um, other than the, the job that I have, which you know you invest in and you can get a lot of joy from, but. Yeah, you can't do something you enjoy twenty four hours a day. You've got to have some break. Yeah, because I find that there's there's certain elements of graphic design that I really love, and there's certain elements that I'm just like, I like this isn't for me. Like for instance, I'm working on, you know, a branding project for a company at the moment, and I'm absolutely loving it because it's just me working on it, and it's yeah. in a big company. But for some reason, they sat me down with a brief and said, "Here you go," and it's like, great. And I'm, I'm I'm really getting a big kick out of it because it's um it's for a big company and it's going to be seen by a lot of people. But um, but then you know I think back to last week or the week before, and I was doing um. I was doing uh, a big campaign for the um, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and I was typesetting Arabic text, and it was fucked. It was like. If you listen to the podcast, but before this, you hear that I'm completely just, ugh, I can't even get my words out or anything. It's because, you know, if you press, if you, it's, everything's mirror imaged. And if you press, um, like, left, the cursor goes right. 
and things like that. Oh yeah. And oh, and I had to typeset it all and then proofread it and and um, it was like J line thing, two dots, this that, just like just trying to sort of just piece it all together, like um, proofread it just as shapes and everything. And oh yeah. man, I was like by the end of every day, I was absolutely exhausted. <laughs> it's like a, a puzzle, isn't it? Like, I've yeah. Had to set um different different languages that I don't understand and they have to get proofread and there's only a few things you can recognise and you hang on to them like well there's a dash there yeah. that matches that dash in English or there's a comma and that's going to do this yeah um, yeah it's kind of it is very abstract yeah which is kind of fun in its own way but then yeah when you've got a deadline and you've got people screaming for stuff um, yeah it be, I can't understand it could be pretty frustrating yeah we have really tight deadlines as well it was like the, the Grand Prix was this weekend and we were like doing it last week <laughs> got to get this out the door you know yeah it was uh it was interesting though it was it was fun but the good thing was is it had um had really good imagery and everything to work with and yeah. um that ma- you know it made it a lot easier you know but it was uh it was quite funny <laughs> maybe you should do some, like do some design work for yourself so it's like nah, for you no yeah. oh yeah oh, well i do that i do a bit of design work for myself because i've got my own you know, i've got an exhibition coming up and i'll do all that and did all the stuff for the podcast so I didn't like you know pour my everything into it I just you know got it that's the thing I, when I do things for myself I get it get it to the line and then just sort of nudge it over the line it's like alright it's done get it out yeah but um I can refine things um but yeah I just oh, I hate looking at a computer when I'm not like I hate looking at a computer when I'm at work let alone when I'm not at work yeah I've, I was thinking about today and I was thinking about you and how many hours you do and I've got this 3 p.m. like oh, about yeah about a 3 p.m. cutoff where I just can't can't look at the computer anymore. I just can't do it. <laughs> it's like yeah. as and my eyes start burning. I start like go and make a cup of tea all every 10 minutes or whatever just to just to get away from the computer and you know turn to the turn to someone and have a conversation just to give my eyes a rest. And yeah, I, I know I, I I know that if I was working for myself. It'll get to like two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. That's day over for computer work, and then it'll all be like painting or whatever. And I uh, and that's what I think um, a lot of companies are doing wrong. They're burning out their staff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's not Hands are seizing up. Their backs are fucked. Their eyes are fucked. You know, because they're spending so long under uh, you know under pressure in front of a computer. You know. And they um, have all their time on the phone. If you're not in front of the computer, people are still on their phones. Yeah. Or there's always some screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's very natural. Maybe in the future people uh. look back at this time and go, "What the hell was everyone doing on the screens?" Like we exactly. look back at people, you know, in the in the fifties where everyone's smoking cigarettes all the time. And you go, "You can't just chain smoke for your whole life." Yeah. But like, do you know what you're doing? Whereas, drink drink whiskey at ten a.m. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's what. Yeah, they look back at this time and go, "What the hell are they doing?" Yeah. It's. I don't think it's natural. It's good for you either. Um, but luckily, <sighs> I have a lot of. Um, luckily, I have a lot of um, meetings or reasons to not be at my desk, mm. um, so that helps break it up. But yeah, if you're doing a 15-hour day, it can kind of, you know, gets gets starts to get long. Oh, 15-hour day, I can't um, believe. Because you said you've done like what what days? It's like Wednesday today. You said you've done a 40-hour week already. I had when I yeah. And that was, was that was at 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah, so, but <laughs> I, I I got a break. The people where I work, people are good. Yes, yeah. man. Um, Bloody hell! I, oh, I just... it's not. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where um, 
other people dictate, you know, the deadlines and um, yeah. other things fall in place and it's always someone else's fault. But that's the one thing that does get frustrating if it, if it is um, your life is controlled completely by other people or it feels like it is and that you're, you don't have that degree of control that you need to be able to do your best work where it's, it's either the deadline or it's some constraint that's um, getting in the way. Um, and everyone understands it, but everyone just says, yeah, you just got to live with it. Mm, yeah. That's what can get frustrating. But the work, like, I love the work we do, and there's never any, um, no one ever questions putting in extra effort or value into the work. They're not always like, no, mate, it's no time for that. It's always, if you can improve something, you should do it. Mm. And that's rare in a, com- in a commercial place, because usually it's, I don't care how good it is, you just got to do it. It needs to be complete by this time. Not, it needs to be complete and it needs to be good. Yeah. So I like the attitude there. Like that really makes sense to me that we're yeah. all trying to do the best. And that's the only reason why everyone will put extra effort in or stay back or, you know, work something out or do an, an extra option because it's worth doing. Yeah, so. I completely agree. Like I, um, as I, you know, going back to the company I was working for in Spain, they, um, they, they work at a different pace to um, us over here in Australia. They're a bit more chilled out. And, uh, and and the timelines were a lot a lot more extended because they knew how long it takes to do a project with the, you know, their timings I guess where it's and um and I did my best work I've ever done like working over there because I, there was really there was time to really conceptualize and 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 do your research and and really get the like the work looking great you know whereas over here it's like the, the same amount of work you get you know, like I do, put a month's work into a week over here. Yeah. It's like, and it's, and then the crowd director's like, "Oh, can't we make this look a bit better?" It's like, oh, it's meant meant to already be out the door." You know, it's like, "Oh, get it out the door then." And it's <laughs> <laughs> imagine if someone's like that with art. Yeah. Like, mate. Oh, I am. I get the idea. <laughs> no, I'm not. Really. Just, just smash it out. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a, it's a nice thing that my work doesn't take a really really long time. Um, some of it does but a lot of it is um is quick i think that's um that's like a real um bonus i don't know how that worked out but if i like i really appreciate intricate detailed work where you look at something and you get and they say oh this this one drawing took six months because it's made up of you know some Mm. really small detail i can absolutely appreciate it but i wouldn't finish something like that if i started it yeah Oh, else. I couldn't spend six months on a drawing. Yeah. No way. Imagine the pressure as well. Like on the last day, you just knock a bit of, you knock your drink on it. Yeah. <laughs> or you get, or you get to five and a half months into it, and you're just like, I don't even like this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this uh, this Trump drawing is sort of uh, not relevant anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, I did uh, Hillary Clinton for president. You know, <laughs> she didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyway, we'll start wrapping this up. Okay. You're the one that um, came up with this question. So who who would you? Uh, I don't I don't even know how to say it actually. I always like I can never quite get it out properly. But who would you um, like to kick back in on the bench and have a talk with? Uh, this is probably the one part of the whole this whole uh, chat that I've at least had some thought into. And I think um, I think Basquiat, the artist from the early '80s, I, I think. I'd like to sit down and talk with him. Like he, um, he had an amazing way of putting his what was going on in his life and outside of it, and all everything in, into a canvas or into one place, 
I think not a lot of people can do that. And regardless of what people think of his style, um, it's still kind of an achievement, I think, to be able to kind of... Um, could be the song that's on the radio, could be what's in your head, the latest headline, some emotion, some raw feeling, um, all these things at once. Mm. Um, you know, a bit of a scrap from a bit of a book and kind of put it together. I think he'd be amazing to talk about that with. Although he may not be, but I'd assume he would be. Yeah. And maybe the idea of that is probably more powerful than if it actually happened. But I think definitely he'd be on top of my list. Um, but yeah, there's probably a million people. I'll have... Um, a lot of there's a lot of musicians as well I'd love to yeah um, talk with maybe because um, you talk about music a lot with your artwork like what sort of music you're into uh, I'm into well I'll give you the shit answer that everyone says you know I'm into everything same um, yeah but um, <laughs> if it's done well like you know I might say uh, you know orchestral music I'm not really that into unless it's done really well um, or whatever it happens to be but I think what I end up listening to the most, if you go by genre, is probably punk rock. Maybe it's because of my age and the attitude of it. But it kind of makes the most sense to me. Um, and I think if my work was going to be music, it would probably sound, it would be it would be punk rock. Um, and I think it, music is an interesting thing because people consume it. Are very comfortable with consuming music, and they know they understand it, or they feel like they you know they can they like it or hate it straight away, and they've got a real Opinion. and everyone can talk about it without this whole sphere that they do with visual art so if I'm ever trying to demystify what I do or at least explain it I often use music because everyone understands how it works people consume it people understand it and don't feel like oh I don't have an opinion on the music oh no I don't, don't understand this they just listen to it and go it's good or it's bad and they walk into a gallery and they get all fearful and like oh I don't know if I understand the context I'm like what do you think like just jump in you know I think it need, we need to consume visual art the way we consume music a lot more and when that happens we'll be in a much better place well said <laughs> so um, do you have any uh, like up and coming projects or, or future plans well I think you know we talked about the exhibition of the 365 days but something could happen there but maybe um, when I do have a chance to breathe I'll um, look at the 365 days, the work from that, and do some mini collections and maybe make them available as prints. Like a lot of people ask for these prints, but I feel like that's one thing that I just don't have enough time to make them available as um, digital prints. I mean, mm. I guess I can, I could print any of them really, but yeah, you got all the stuff at work. <laughs> Anyone want a laser print A3? Um, yeah, so I think that's what I'd like to do. Um, I do a lot of work, put a lot of work on Redbubble, um, uh, like on demand, um, like an artist community, where you can get a lot of products. So I put a lot of work on that because it's an easy way to have it available for people. I'd like to be able to put it there um, in one place. So that's something that's coming up, I guess. Consolidating the work, getting the best of it and putting it there, um, or creating some kind of way to consume my work because at the moment people can look at it. Um, and I think if I want to, my dream of being an artist, I need to be able to get a way to sell some so that um, I can do more. Yeah. Um, or at least be able to justify my textures. It's, that's one good thing. My overheads are low, you know. Um, oh, you use all the art supplies from work? Well, no. <laughs> Just that um, the, 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 the uh, materials I use are pretty um, 
are very available. You know, if I'm yeah. using just scraps of paper, pencils, textures, you know, uh, sticky notes, and you know, whatever, mm. I think that's probably part of the um, oh, the joy in what I do is like you don't need a lot of great things to make um, your work. Yeah. You know, some of my best photos have been on the iPhone. Some of my best drawings have been on shitty reflex paper. Um, it's not about great materials for me at the moment it's about um doing it often and doing the best you can with it yeah and maybe that's you know people always used to blame oh, i don't have a good camera that's why i can't take a good photo but if you've got a phone now with a camera you can take some amazing shots and don't blame your materials just you know you can get by with some pretty mundane materials mm. make something fun out of it yeah and like uh, and where's the best place for people to see your your art online I reckon it's probably um, Instagram because it gets updated so so regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like every day there's something new. Um, and I guess what's, it's what's, your, what's your um, uh, a, a handle? Handle. At, handle. At Leadbeater, if yeah. you can spell that. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the best place. It's yeah. updated and it's um, yeah, I've got a website, but. Um, steveledbeater.com but it doesn't get updated so mm. it's like yeah just some work there but if you want to see what I'm doing every single day Instagram is probably the best place yeah, yeah. cool alright well we might uh, wrap it up there thanks oh, thank for you. taking the time to sit down and have a chat with me yeah thanks for the chat like I uh, I thought I had to do some do some research or be prepared but it sort of just <sighs> just happened man as I say to everyone you know there's, there's no pressure you've lived the the answers so you know <laughs> Just dive into the uh, memory bank. <laughs> well, thanks for the bench talk. That's all right, mate. <laughs> for more info on today's artist, uh, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to previous episodes and also see images from the artist that's been interviewed. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That way you can get the podcast delivered to your phone uh, automatically every week when an episode comes out. Uh, while you're there, it'd be great if you could uh, rate and review the podcast. That way uh, we'll get noticed by more people and have more people listening to it. You can also keep up to date with what's going on with the podcast on Instagram, uh, bench underscore talk. Uh, also streaming now on Facebook and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to tune in next week. Thanks. <laughs>